0: Thursday on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Thanks for joining me for another day. We got so much to get to on today's show. Um, Randy Johnson, who covers gopher football and to a lesser degree gopher men's hockey for the Star Tribune, will join me here in just a few minutes to talk about Minnesota's big game this weekend at Penn State in football. Some quarterback question there with with Tanner Morgan being knocked out of last week's game against Illinois. See if he can go in this game, or if the Gophers are going in a different direction, maybe pivoting to a redshirt freshman um, who played a little bit uh, a little bit at the end of that Illinois game after uh, after Tanner Morgan was was hurt. Ethan Uh We'll see if he's in or out. We'll see if Cole Kramer gets the gets the nod. Um, a lot to be decided right now, but more than just uh, more than just the quarterback question for the Gophers who have lost two in a row. How do they get back on track? Randy and I will talk about that. We'll also talk about the Gophers versus North Dakota series coming up this weekend in men's hockey. A big one for the number one ranked Gophers men's hockey team. Also have some Vikings thoughts um, here at the bye. Wrote about them a little bit on, uh, on Wednesday on StarTribune.com, but I want to expand on them. A little bit more here just on the idea of what's sustainable for this team. I feel like we're fixated on the idea of can they keep winning like this? What of what of what they're doing can they keep doing? And what might regress at a certain point if they don't improve? So I'll get to that in a little bit. Got a wild uh, segment as well. Got to talk about some lineup stuff going on. Uh, uh, Jordan Greenway back in the lineup now after missing... The first three games of the season with an injury, uh, Marco Rossi back in the lineup sounds like, and it could be in a top nine role if he's uh, if he's with Freddie Goudreau and Matt Boldy as he skated this week in practice. So a lot going on for the Wild, so we'll, we'll have to touch on them as well. First though, what did I miss? Let's talk Timberwolves at the jump. They had their season opener. On Wednesday, a 115-108 victory over Oklahoma City that uh, that looked like it was going to be pretty breezy for at least a half. I think they were up like 13 at halftime. Got dicey in the third quarter. I think they were down six at one to point, 87-81 before they kind of rescued themselves. A good finish to that third quarter. Rudy Gobert with a big steal and buzzer beater to get them tied and then pulled away a little bit uh, but it was still a little bit clunky um so usually in these situations I try to be the voice of reason right one of 82 let's not jump to conclusions let's not you know let's not make too much out of what we see from one game um, that said this team has so many questions so much intrigue that I do feel like, there are some things we can take from even just one game. So let's let's overreact a little bit. Let's let's overreact to what we saw for 48 minutes. Here are the biggest observations I had from uh, from that game uh, at Target Center, where where the Timberwolves were able to go one and zero and beating the Oklahoma City Thunder. First off, you know while the offense looked a little clunky at times, I think the the one question that was at least started to get answered was kind of how shots would get distributed, how, how everybody would work into the flow of the offense. And at least for this first game, it felt like there was a pretty good, um, sharing of the ball, a sharing of kind of the opportunities in this game. All five starters, Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony towns, and D'Angelo Russell, um, took at least 10 shots. All of them had double digit points. Um, tough shooting night for Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns but you know in the past that probably would have spelled doom for this team uh but it didn't against at least in this one game against Oklahoma City so you know it it felt like you know the rotation um the, the the minutes that the starters were getting all of them were between 32 and 36 minutes um, Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell got in a little bit of a foul trouble with with five each, but but nobody really uh, in too much danger. Towns with four fouls. So it felt like the starting five, by and large, I felt like it, you know, the question I have going into the year is: is there gonna be enough opportunity for everybody? You add Rudy Gobert to the mix, you've got D'Angelo Russell in a contract year, you've got Carl Anthony Towns used to getting a certain amount of opportunity used to getting a certain number of shots within the flow of the offense being a focal point I think he still is Anthony Edwards he's still trying to figure out where he fits into this pecking order Um, so I wanted to see how the shots were distributed you know I don't think Towns is going to take just 10 shots every game in 36 minutes some of that's dictated by game flow some of it's dictated by matchups things like that um, but but by and large, it, it feels like everybody who has everybody who's a starter should have come out of this game feeling pretty good about how much they were able to contribute. Second thing we got to overreact about. Kind of feels like this is becoming again just one game, but just from watching the one game, the dyna- the power dynamic has changed. It feels like it, it maybe it's not Rudy Gobert's team yet. But it, you could see how it could become a Rudy Gobert identity-led team. He is a, a talker out on the court, um, a, a big-time communicator, maybe more so than you've seen from Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns in the past. Um, he affects the game in a way that the Wolves just haven't had. I mean, we've been clamoring for years uh, for them to get just any kind of big man, any kind of shot-blocking presence and then in the offseason they go out and get one of the very best. And so all of a sudden when you watch a game, you see how that changes the dynamic of a team. You see how someone like that, whether it's just, you know, protecting the rim in a in a random possession that, that you know, taking an easy shot and making it into a hard one, or taking a shot that looks like it's gonna go in and making it a block. Like those are momentum swings in a game. I like you know, it, it's it's wonderful to watch that in closing time where you know you you have some of that security blanket you have someone who might erase a shot at the end or at least make it hard for an opponent to get all the way to the glass make them make a longer contested shot instead of something in close so you can see not just from his production but from his talk how he can become kind of more of the identity of this team and you know he had Arguably the best game. I think he and Jaden McDaniels had the most efficient games. But Rudy Gobert has 23 points, 16 rebounds. Um, seven of those rebounds, uh, seven rebounds, offensive rebounds. So it was 23 and 16. Added an assist, uh, two assists, a steal, a block all over the court. He was a plus 13 on the night. And again, some of that's dictated by matchups. I think different people are going to take over different parts of different games. But identity is going to be a big question for me while i watch this team and it feels like there's already a palpable shift in the identity of this team because you know Gobert is a veteran like it, Towns is kind of a veteran now but you still think of him as as relatively young Anthony Edwards definitely young Jaden McDaniels young D'Angelo Russell you know same age as Towns like Gobert is certainly the elder statesman especially at least in the starting lineup and maybe gives them an element of leadership and an element of stability that they just didn't have last year a couple other overreactions we saw the bench kind of a, a tight tightish rotation um really only nine guys seeing significant minutes they got Bryn forbes for four minutes austin rivers got some token defensive action at, at end of end of game situation end of quarter situations but you know you started to see how uh, how chris finch might deploy some of his reserves you saw torian prince play 12 minutes kyle anderson going to be an important player all season 22 minutes didn't make a didn't make a field goal but was a plus four affected the game in a lot of different ways Jordan McLaughlin with 11 minutes Jalen Noel with 18 Jalen Noel 13 points in those 18 minutes on 11 shots you can see the role he is possibly going to play on this team is kind of that you know kind of that bench score um, and that's a good role for him because he seems like he's ready to fill that but You know, so some interesting dynamics within that, though. Naz Reed uh, doesn't get off the bench at all, doesn't play in this game. Obviously nothing for any of the rookies they just drafted. So, you know, we'll see, again, injuries, different lineups, things like that, affect things, how they go. But um, I think there's going to be a sorting out period to see what this rotation should be, what players fit best together um, within that context. And, you know, Jordan McLaughlin ran the offense pretty well. He was a plus seven when he was in the game, uh, while D'Angelo Russell was a minus eight, so something to think about within those contexts. You know, Jordan McLaughlin, you know, was the was the point guard who finished last year game six when when D'Angelo Russell was on the bench. Will he gain an even stronger foothold in the rotation? Final couple thoughts here. Um, like I said, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards combined to shoot six for twenty seven. Including three of fourteen from three-point range. Wolves as a team made just ten of thirty-eight three-pointers, twenty-six percent. So to score one hundred and fifteen points on a night where you shoot that poorly from three, you know if they're if they're shooting more of their average with threes, they probably make three or four more. They're up in the mid one twenties at that point. Um, You know, Towns and Edwards certainly Towns probably going to make more as the year goes on. Um, You know, but so. Able to win a game, able to score 115 points in that situation, largely because the defense was just that good. The the starting unit played 17 minutes together. Saw this tweet from Alan Horton at Wolves Radio had a defensive rating of 85.7. That is awfully good. So, you know, to me, there's a lot to. There's still going to be tons to learn after this game, but there's also a lot to take away right away. By the way, I want to play a little bit of a Chris Finch head coach post game here was his thought on on what he saw in this one.
1: Well, you know, happy with the win, of course. You know, uh some good stretches, some um you know, less than ideal ones. Um, you know, good one to build on. I thought we, you know, when we when we um you know, same same thing I say all the time. We stayed in our flow. We get like a lot of really really good shots. Um, we got really, we kind of slowed down on unnecessarily so there in the third. Um, but even so, you know, they, we missed a lot of wide open shots too at that point in time. You know, we just got kind of um, out competed on the glass. That's not a good thing. Um, you know, we got to work on that. We got to find ways to be more physical. Like every way that the game allows you to be more physical, we got to find those ways to do that. Um, and we haven't been a very physical team yet.
0: And again, more will come into focus. They play Utah on Friday night. That'll be an interesting game. The Rudy Gobert against his old team. That is a target center. A bunch of the former Wolves now on Utah. So I'm sure there'll be some some hugs before the game. But then once the game starts, be interested to see how that all plays out. Again, one of 82. But fun, kind of fun to overreact and kind of extrapolate and see where you think this might be going. Some encouraging signs, some clunkiness, probably about what you might expect from the team at this point, but probably encouraging at the end that they're able to get a win, even against a team that they should beat um, while they're still sorting things out, especially on offense. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring in Randy Johnson, Gophers football beat writer at the Star Tribune. um, To hopefully answer the biggest question in local sports, or at least one of the biggest ones, Randy, what's happening to this team that for four games, albeit against lesser competition looked like a very, very good team. And then for two weeks in a row now, um, hasn't been able to get much of anything going and has lost to Purdue and now Illinois and now has to go to Penn state, uh, which is going to be a tall task uh, to say the least.
1: You know, Mike, I think it's just a combination of things. They're just, they haven't, haven't been as sharp uh, against Purdue. They're, they're missing uh, Muhammad Ibrahim and, Obviously, one of the better running backs in the country that that's gonna cause some issues. And it, you know, turns out uh, it was a pretty big issue. Uh, this past week in Illinois, they uh, it was a combination of the defense just could not get off the field. Uh, Illinois ran 86 plays to the Gophers 42. Wow. You know, they basically took the Gophers game and threw it right back in their face. That whole ball control offense, and you know, Illinois gets an early lead, puts the pressure on the Gophers to pass and they just weren't up, up, for up to it. Um, their receivers are having trouble uh, getting, gaining separation, uh, getting off, getting off uh, coverage. Uh, just a whole lot of things that, uh, that added up to a, to a tough game. The defense hung tough and at least stopped uh, forced field goals, but you do that too often. You know, you saw on the field for you know, 16, 18 play drives and it is, it wears down.
0: And the, I think a common thread in some of those games, those two games, too, is, you know, the offensive line, which we thought might be a little bit of a question coming into the year, just with all the people they had to replace, at least as starters. I mean, you, you know, the, the line had obviously anchored by John Michael Schmidt, a very good player, but also had some guys who had played some games that maybe weren't, you know, every down players, every day, every game starters. It feels like they've been losing some of those battles on the line of scrimmage these last couple of games.
1: Yeah, they, Purdue came at him pretty good. Had a, had, a, had a decent defensive line, and the Illinois defensive line is legit. That that is a very good defensive line, and it it, it won those battles up front. Uh, you know, uh, Tanner Morgan didn't have a whole lot of time to pass when he when he did pass.
0: Yeah. So, how do you? I mean, going into now to Penn State, where you know you've lost two in a row, you're trying to regroup. The I, is Tanner Morgan's dad still up in the air at this point, or what do we know about him? After he had to leave that game uh, last weekend,
1: yeah, P- PJ yesterday in his news conference said uh, Tanner felt surprisingly better than they thought he would uh, on, on day um, uh, today today on his radio show. PJ kind of repeated the same thing, basically, uh, you know, he's he's, he's surprised better, but uh, I I don't he didn't say if he practiced or not today. He was supposed to at least attend practice. Yeah, I, I I think they want to see if they can get him to practice, uh, say Wednesday or Thursday. Um, you know, they'll give him a little more leeway being a, being a, a veteran. Uh, you know, six year senior where he's he's seen a lot of action, so he might not need as much practice time as, as somebody else. Um, but yeah, it, it's still it's still up in the air. i I'm, I'm I'm guessing they'll know if they don't know already, right, they, they'll know soon. What they'll do, but I'm sure they're not going to tell what they're going to do.
0: If he can't go, what do you imagine they would do?
1: Well, PJ said that uh, the that Cole Kramer and Ethan uh, kaliak Mass would you know are in line to play. Um, last week, uh, Ethan got in there uh, and basically uh, he struggled to two assists with two picks. Uh, Cole Kramer was not available because of what PJ uh, termed a small injury. Um, I, I would guess that maybe, uh, uh, gets the nod if, if, if that's the case. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, he, he's a quarterback with a lot of promise of uh, people have raved about his, you know, his arm strength and then what he can do athletically. Um, he just doesn't have much experience, not nearly as, as much as Cole Kramer has, uh, Cole's run, run the uh, wildcat offense quite a bit. Uh, and he, he's filled in at times when, uh, when, uh, uh, Tanner got hurt in the past
0: so as you kind of think about this team I mean the Penn State's a very tall task Penn State just lost to Michigan but hadn't lost before then and this game will be you know in happy happy valley 100,000 fans all, all that all, all that going against them what, what can this team do to get back on track after you know starting the year when they were four zero? there was you know there was maybe premature but there was chatter about you know you know national implications and things like that, not just Big Ten West. How did they get back into even the Big Ten West conversation at this point?
1: Well, basically, to, to win the Big Ten West, they're going to have to run the table. It's They're, they're in, a, in a difficult situation now having lost uh, to both Purdue and Illinois, and those two teams having the tiebreaker on them. Those two teams still have to play, so one will knock the other one back, but uh, Guilford would have to have those teams lose – you know, they'd have to be a game ahead of either one of those, so that those two two would have to absorb, um, you know, three conference losses. As Gophers only have two now, I, I don't think you know that's 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 a really tall task. I think right now you're, you're playing for better bowl positioning. You know, you're you're playing to uh, you know, knock off some rivals. Um, you know, this one's going for a you know a, a newer trophy game in the Governor's Victory bill. and I, that's not doesn't carry the weight that say Wisconsin and Iowa do later in the season. Um, yeah, you know, they just basically got to execute better. That that's been their whole theme. Um, I think, uh, Purdue, they look back at that as, as all the mistakes they made. Uh, Illinois, it wasn't, especially defensively. It wasn't like, as if they made a ton of mistakes, they just got beat.
0: Right. So I, yeah, which one of the, I mean, obviously Purdue was the one that, that, you know, kind of raised some eyebrows, but I think you're at right, the Illinois game is probably more troubling in, in the bigger picture, just because. If, if that program, I mean, Illinois is, is maybe, you know, got a better team than maybe we realized that was starting, you know, when they beat Both Wisconsin. Teams are, yep. when
1: Both
0: they beat, teams yeah, when they beat, when, when beat Wisconsin, and Wisconsin not what they used to be, but when Illinois put that number on Wisconsin and really dominated that game, it's like, okay, well, maybe they are better than we thought. But to, to not be in that class, at least in that game, that that makes you reevaluate the season in general.
1: Yeah, yeah I think that's, yeah, you got to take, uh, take a longer look at this team. Now and say, okay. Were we a little too optimistic uh, after that start? I I would say probably yeah. That's that's it. it uh, you know, it was a start where they're putting up great numbers, but against bad teams. But they were dominating these bad teams.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see if they are able to get more done in uh, in this next one against Penn State. Again, tall task in that. Regardless, to spend a few minutes at the end of uh, this uh, segment, Randy, talking. A little bit of Gophers men's hockey, the number one team in the country. They host North Dakota this weekend, a series near and dear to my heart. Uh, I think a lot of listeners know I grew up in Grand Forks, spent a lot of my formative years watching that team before I came to the University of Minnesota and subsequently switched alliances. And now I am impartial completely uh, when it comes to this game. I have no horse in the race but it should be a fantastic series regardless um you know gophers like i said number one north dakota number seven that doesn't matter so much this time of year because things are going to change so much between now and march and april but should be quite a good atmosphere i would think um in in a in the twin cities this weekend
1: yeah you know it, it's 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 good that they're playing again you know it, it's a, a situation where when the uh, old wcha broke up that was that was a rivalry that it was played most of the time, but not every year and, 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 not, and definitely not twice a year. Like it used to be. It's, it's one that, uh, you know, it, it it's Michigan, Ohio state, it, you know, it, it's that level of college hockey. So you, you base you want to see that one played every year and you know, this time it's, it's here. It's um, it, 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 you'll have uh, a lot of green in the arena too. They you know they, they, there's a lot of North Dakota fans in the twin cities. So it's, uh, I, I i won't be there to see see the atmosphere It'll be out at penn state but uh, I, i'm i'm looking to for, forward to seeing it on TV
0: when you uh watched the gophers against minnesota state mankato did you come away feeling like you know feeling seeing what you wanted to see out of them uh,
1: the first game yes the 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 the, the game and uh and Mariucci, they, they played very well they they uh took control and and uh you know basically uh, after a little bit of a you know, feeling all period in the first uh, uh, first period or so but then once they got it going that I, I liked what I saw it, was, it looked like a team that was dialed in very well and very tentative.
0: yeah they certainly are they got some really good young players might be hard to discern exactly which is the best of the young players but that is a good problem to have so it should be it should be fun hockey this weekend should a lot at stake for both the Gophers football team and the Gophers men's hockey team this weekend. Follow Randy's coverage from Penn State, and uh, Randy, will talk again in a week. Sounds good,
1: Mike. Thanks a lot.
0: Just a post-script to my conversation with Randy Johnson on Gophers football. Sounds like the quarterback decision could be a game-time decision. Still trying to see if Tanner Morgan is cleared by the medical staff for the Gophers after taking a blow to his head last week at Illinois. Could be Cole Kramer, could be Ethan Kalkmanis, uh the redshirt freshman who played when uh when morgan went out last week so you know randy johnson had a big story on on the on the quarterbacks in uh in thursday's star tribune and starttribune.com so interesting reading there if you are interested an interesting decision coming up i mean a big game in uh in in, uh in penn state more than 100,000 fans will be at that game a tough environment for any quarterback to go into so we'll see who it ends up being, and how that quarterback ends up faring for a team that really needs to get back on track after such a promising season. Now two losses in a row could be three if they can't figure something out on Saturday. Let's talk about the Vikings for a few minutes. I'm not going to do my regular Friday segment with Ben Gessling, this being a bye week. Give him a little chance to catch his breath. Nothing to set up for Sunday's game, since there's no game, obviously, with the bye. But I had some thoughts on where they sit right now at five and one. I wrote about that Wednesday on startribune.com on the Ramball blog. And you know, it, it's they're an interesting, an, an interesting point in their trajectory right now. Um, you know, they keep winning these close games. I, I think I wrote the Vikings can't keep winning like this. We keep saying week after week as they keep winning like this. I mean, they've got four wins in a row. All of them essentially toss ups in the fourth quarter um, you know, they beat the Lions in week three when they <clears throat> were able to rally and, you know, get a couple late touchdowns, including the big one to K.J. Osborne. They went to London and, you know, got a, a big field goal from Greg Joseph. And then Will Lutz hits the crossbar, the upright, and it bounces out. Actually, different order, upright, and then crossbar bounces out. They win that game. Um, They beat the Bears with a rally in the fourth quarter after dominating most of that game. And they get a key turnover. Um, You know, they beat play really sloppy against the Dolphins, get out-gained like 2-1, to time of possession is a mess, 10-3 and outs. But again, they get some key turnovers. They make a couple big offensive plays when they have to. They win that game. So they're not doing it exactly the same every week, but they are winning these games close and late. So again, the only reality that really matters is that they're 5-1, and one, but how much you think that pace is sustainable is a valid question because it kind of defines how you think the rest of the year will go. So I took a look at what I thought was sustainable and what wasn't, especially kind of in the context of some, some nuance, some you know some of the things that might seem like similar ideas, uh, but but might have some elements of sustainability in some of them, but not in others. So I think end of game confidence, I think that can be sustainable. You know, when a team wins close games, I think there's a confidence that can kind of build over the course of the year um you know belief is a big deal I feel like Kevin O'Connell has instilled that in this team that they are going to get that good things are going to happen to them and I think that that can be sustained throughout the season even if there are hiccups that said end of game outcomes I don't think that's necessarily necessarily sustainable I mean if you look at football outsiders DVOA the Vikings are 17th that means like they 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 feel like a middle of the pack team based on how they've performed in all three phases of the game. They say they they should have about three wins right now. They should be three and three based on expected wins. That sounds about right too, because they they could be very well be two and two in these last uh, these last four games. You know, obviously five and one's all that matters. But some at some point these things are going to even out a little bit. And one way they could even out is through turnovers. So here, I think turnover differential could be sustainable. They're plus four right now. That's tied for second in the league. Um, They emphasize turnovers. They emphasize taking the ball away. They've got 10 takeaways through six games, which is huge. Um, That can be sustainable, especially if you teach it and emphasize it. The timing of the turnovers does not necessarily necessarily feel sustainable to me, though. I don't think they're going to get those late fourth quarter turnovers like they had against the Dolphins and the Bears, those game-changing plays where both of those teams might have gone for tying or Go ahead, scores if not for you know fumbles basically as they were driving. So emphasizing it, yes, but are some of those going to come in blowouts Are some of those going to come in the first quarter where they matter but they don't have where, where they're not as magnified? And will that ultimately impact a final score in a game or two that they can't count on that? I think they'll continue to have the same basic philosophy on defense of bend but don't break. Kevin O'Connell always says make them snap it one more time. So it's no accident that they're tied for number 11 in points allowed, but they've given up basically 6 yards of play, 7.3 yards per pass attempt, both of those bottom 5 of the NFL. I think they're going to keep playing kind of like that, but I don't think the results of those of that bend, bend but don't break can stay where they are if the number doesn't come down a little bit. I think they need to get those yards more towards the middle of the pack to be able to sustain that point number. You might always have you know a better mark in points allowed than yards allowed if you're playing that style and relying on turnovers, red zone stops, things like that but you need to bring that yard number down. I don't think the defense is exactly where they want it to be. And finally, I think it is sustainable to imagine this team will keep getting better. That's probably the biggest thing they have going for them right now is that I don't think they've played their best and yet they're still 5 and 1 and they can point to new systems, everything like that. They've got a bye week now to kind of recalibrate, reevaluate what's working, what isn't. They could very well come out and play much better over the final 11 games and erase some of these questions. That said, if they don't improve, they're not going to win at this rate. I think they're gonna be more like a 500 team for the last 11 games if they don't improve. So we'll see how fast kind of the team they want to be can catch up to the team they are right now, and how much that factors into results as the year goes on. All right, let's finish with the cooler, the wild. We've had a couple of wild segments already on this week's show. They're 0 3 right now. Uh, the goaltending has been a mess, the defense has been a mess. They're looking for their first win Thursday, again at home at XL Energy Center. Some good news for them on a couple fronts. Jordan Greenway, sounds like he will make his debut after an offseason spent recovering from injury, reunited with Marcus Foligno and Joel Erickson-Eck on uh, on that line. That's been very good for them over the last couple years, so maybe that provides a certain spark, um, a two-way spark for them to be maybe a little bit tighter in their own zone. And um, and to have an offensive spark as well. And it sounds like Marco Rossi, had Chicken Fingers sixty nine on Wednesday's show talking about you know when when is he going to get more of an opportunity? Um, well, it sounds like it could come as early as Thursday against Vancouver. He could be elevated to a line with Matt Boldy and Freddie Goudreau. Um, we'll see what he's able to do with that. Take it and run with it. That's probably the spot for him—a top nine forward spot. Um, even if he hasn't produced yet, he's been given very limited opportunity. Let's see what he can do with 15 minutes a game. Let's see what he can do when paired with some other talented you players know, top nine forwards and let's see what can happen as they try to play and play through it and, uh, and kind of get this thing going against vancouver which is also winless but strangely enough has led by at least two goals in every game this year the wild has not had a lead vancouver has been blowing leads so something interesting could happen in this game thursday but it sounds like it will at least involve marco rossi That will do it for today. Good one coming up on Friday. I will talk to Marcus Fuller from the Star Tribune about Gophers men's basketball recruiting. A big get for them this week with Dennis Evans, their highest-ranked recruit in almost 20 years. How did they get him? Who is he? What is he like? And what will he bring to the mix in 2023? We'll get to all of that with Marcus on Friday. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Back at it again tomorrow.